0: Today's episode is sponsored by Twice Sheared Sheep, a knitting tools brand, making intelligently designed tools to save you brain power so that you can knit more and frog less. Never question if you mark that row again with Twice Sheared Sheep's signature chain row counters. Accurately keep track of every row without clicking, tallying, or waking up your phone you don't even need to take your hand off the needles. See the entire selection of row counters and brain-saving gadgets at twicehearedsheep.com. Podcast listeners can take 20% off their first order by using the coupon code CRAFTINDUSTRYTHANKS. Thank you so much, Twice Sheared Sheep. And now, here's the show. Episode 245 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we are talking about YouTube with my guest, Laura Koya. Laura is the host and creator of the YouTube channel, So Very Easy. The channel has 454,000 subscribers and 976 videos that she has produced over the last nine years, all focused on sewing and quilting. Laura has over 45 years of sewing experience. She's written for several sewing and quilting magazines. She has two books with CNT Publishing, and she was awarded the Silver YouTube Award from YouTube. Laura's teaching style is relaxed and encouraging to novices and experienced sewists alike. Her goal is for viewers to simply spend more time in the sewing room. Laura Koya, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited. We were just talking before we hit record about how we met for the first time in person at H&H Americas, which was a really good time. Um, but I would love to learn a little bit more about you. I know that you are um, one of six children and the oldest girl. So where did you grow up and what was your household like
1: when you were a child? Oh, well, it was crazy, as you can well imagine. With six with six kids, I'm the second. I'm the um, first girl. So really, you know, in that world, I was the first born because I was the first girl. <laughs> so my job was really helping my, mo- helping my mother with everything that was pertaining to the house, laundry, cooking, cleaning, children. My brother helped my father with everything outdoors. So it really came to me really early that I had responsibilities and I never took it bad because just the way it was. And I actually enjoyed doing it. So. and the household was always crazy. We didn't have a TV. So we played games and we entertained each other. So it was a fun. It was a great, fun childhood. I I can never complain about that. And you grew up in Canada. Right. uh, Knock Falls, Ontario, born and raised. Uh, Been here all my life and just love to travel. But this is my home. So, okay. Right. And and was your mother um, a sewist or a quilter? Was she skilled in that way? Well, it's funny because my mother was definitely very talented in crafting and sewing, but it wasn't her thing. She did it because she had to, because that was the day. But my grandmother was very, very talented. So it sort of has skipped the generation to me, but I did learn sitting by at at my mother's knee. Yeah, it was all about what my mother taught me. Okay. And did you sew your own clothes or did she sew or did your grandmother sew clothes for you? I'll tell you how I learned how to sew. And this is quite an unusual way of learning to sew. Uh, We reversed sewed. So my mother and I would go shopping. For example, if I needed a winter coat, we went to the secondhand store and my mother would say, okay, go shopping. So I would go and buy a coat that was way too big for me. It could be a man's, it could have been a woman's. As long as it was too big for me, that's what we would buy. So we would take that coat home. We would wash it, take it apart. We had the interfacing, the lining, the zippers, and sometimes we'd even take the top stitch thread out if it was really nice. And then we would use that as fabric and create a project or a garment for myself or my siblings. So I learned very early on how to take garments apart, which really gave me a, a great way of knowing how they were put together. So I never really was taught how to sew. I just kind of figured it out as we went along.
0: Wow, that's like upcycling way before upcycling was a thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, we did. There were six of us. So there wasn't a big budget. And we would go in and do all this kind of shopping. We'd come home with bags full of clothing, and then they'd be very different when we were finished with them. Do you have particular
0: memories of garments that you made that you really loved or that were particularly,
1: you know, memorable for you? Well, the one, and this is why I mentioned the coat, is I picked out this red wool coat and it had this absolutely huge, huge button on the front. And to me, it reminded me of a pomegranate cut in half. And that's what the button was like. So I wore this red coat to school that my mother recreated with this red button. And I remember the button and the fabric. I don't remember what the coat looked like, but I remember how happy I was going to school with that coat and that big red button that looked like a pomegranate. (laughs) That's awesome. And um, one of the first things that I made, my mother allowed me to sew whatever I wanted. There were no rules. Um, She... She just said, you sew whatever you want. However, I was never allowed to wear them out of the house. That was probably a good thing. (laughs) Because, I mean, I didn't have the skills. I started sewing at five years old. So I was just allowed to create whatever I wanted and I could wear it around the house. And I remember I took a pair of jeans and I cut them up and I made a sort of a denim jacket where the legs were my arms. And the waist would have gone around my waist, but the zipper would have come up to my chin. So I was wearing the jeans, just slipped them over my head. Now, I thought I was very, very creative. And I thought, oh, this is so, I'm starting a new trend. And my mother just refused to let me wear it out of the house. And now I see them all over the place. I was just, you know, 50 years behind the gate. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I love it. So when you
0: were, you know, in high school and thinking about your future, what did you think you wanted to do?
1: Okay, totally different. I wanted to actually teach the deaf uh, life skills. I lost my hearing when I was a child in grade three. It was able to be repaired. And ever since that time, I always wanted to um, connect and somehow teach. And I wanted to teach the deaf life skills, but it was just never in my cards for that. So I went into um, sewing and management. And at 16 years old, I was working in a lady's uh, clothing shop, helping the seamstress with alterations. Oh, Okay. Yeah. And that was on the job training for you. It was. Yes, it was. And then from there, I, you know, got married, stayed at home and did teaching and stuff on my own. I worked in a leather factory with multi needle things. I've worked in quilting. I have worked um, as a seamstress. I have actually worked as a tailor so I can take your suit apart and fix your suit for the men out there. Um, And then I figured that was, you know, it, That was not my calling. Let's put it that way. Okay. So you married your high school sweetheart. So talk a little bit about, about that, about that period of your life of having children of your own. Oh, okay. My husband's just going to be horrified when he finds out I tell everybody this story, my husband and I met in grade three. And we were just friends. We just stayed friends all through school and, when we were done high school, I remet met up with him sort of accidentally. We ran in together, and we decided just to go and have a coffee and catch up on who's who, and did you hear about so-and-so, and yeah, I, I just knew, I just knew the moment I re-met him that he was going to be the one. Wow. So, yeah, so we go back a very, very long, long, long way. We have, we knew the same friends. We went to different high schools but it was sort of in the same area. So we kind of know each other. And when we remet, met it was a very easy relationship because we didn't have to, you know, pretend. It's like we were friends already. And then I realized, oh my God, I think I love you. I <laughs> so um, so yeah, we got married and right away I wanted children because of course I'm one of lots. So Isn't that what you were supposed to do? You get married, you have kids right away. So we did. And uh, I had three children within six years. And I was a stay-at-home mom for years to bring up the kids until my youngest one went to high school. And then um, I went back to work briefly. I went as a tailor. And I worked as a switchboard operator for a while for the Great Wolf Lodge. So oh, I, yeah! oh, yes, I could talk really, really, really fast if I need to. <laughs> and then I left that and stayed home to run my husband's fishing business. Right. So let's talk a little
0: bit about that. So your husband is a fisherman. You're also a fisherman. And or if, I don't know if you say fisherman, but anyway, it's all the same. All the same. OK, so so um and, and he has a business. Um, selling lures, fishing right. lures. And so right. so
1: talk a little bit about that right. and, and, and your role in that business from the beginning. Well, um the company's called Thunder Mist Lures. So we live in Niagara Falls and we have the thunder of the falls in the mist of the falls. Right. I wish I could claim the name, but it wasn't my <laughs> thought. When they decided on doing this business, um, it started in my basement. And so it basically started in a little room and then eventually took over my entire basement. And when it got to be the point that they could not run it part time, because they were all working, there are three brothers that do this. I left my job and I came home and I worked in the office. So I did shipping, receiving, handling, um, inventory, you name it, I did it all. And then Uh, My brother-in-law, he retired, so he took over a portion of the business, and then my husband retired, and he took over more, and then my brother-in-law retired, and he took it over, so I don't have anything to do unless they need a backup crew, and then I'm the backup crew, so that's how their business started, and now I have taken over the basement. We, since then, have long moved out of our basement. And now I've taken it over for my business in my studio. And so your the YouTube
0: um idea, the idea of filming videos that would market a business, originated with Thunder Mist, with the with the fishing yep. business, correct? And, and and this was your son's idea, I think.
1: Right. So my son was always into computers, has always um enjoyed that and still does that to this day. And He, when my husband started the fishing lure business, he said, you need to do videos. Uh, That's one way of advertising. So my husband has been doing videos for the business right from the very beginning. And then he, of course, has always said, oh, mom, you should do a channel too. You know, like you're very crafty, you know, all these things. Why don't you do life skills? So there goes the life skills that I wanted to do way back. So here it was coming around finally in a life that I could do it. But I was running his business, three children at home, like, really, I did not have time for that kind of thing. So um, fast forward about 10 years, all three of my children left home the same year, my son, yes, my son moved across the country to go to university, my daughter got married, moved four hours away from me. And my son, who was the YouTuber. He um, moved an hour and a half from me. So I went from three to six children in my house because they all were dating and, you know, having their significant others that, of course, never lived close. So, you know, they were living in the house, odds and ends. So I went from six kids to none, no buffers, just my husband and I. And, um, And I figured, okay, this is time now. And he was able to start running some of the fishing business himself. So I thought it was time for me. So I said to my son, I'm going to do this. So then I did. And did you
0: have um, like on air experience or were you in drama or plays as a child? Or I mean, in other words, you know, doing YouTube, there's a lot of performance that's involved. And I wondered whether you
1: had any prior kind of performance experience. I've always loved the theater, and um, I didn't study it, but I did dabble every once in a while in a play here and there, but it wasn't really anything. But my mother always said I was a little theatrical, so... (laughs) (laughs) Whose <laughs> mom doesn't say that? I feel like exactly. everyone's mom says that about them. Yeah, that's so
0: true. Okay, so, um, so you thought, all right, now is my chance. I'm, I'm going to do this and uh, talk about those early days. Like, you know, there's a, a huge learning curve as far know. as figuring out how to film yourself, what projects were, I mean, pacing, editing. There's so much to learn. So, what did it look like in the very beginning?
1: Horrible. <laughs> Well, I started this and I really didn't think it was going to evolve into what it was. Uh My son just kept saying to me, Ma, you could teach more than one person at a time, you know, you could teach like a hundred at a time. You know, never did I think that I'd be teaching, you know, half a million, but, you know, a hundred at a time. And I thought, oh, this could be fun. And he, and okay, this, he's going to kill me. But he said to me, Ma, he said, you're not too old, but you're not too young. and he says, and you're not that ugly. He said, so, you know, you should do this. I'm still speaking to a (laughs) mind. I love that. But his point was, I had the experience, but I wasn't an old lady where the younger generation would just say, oh, I just don't want to listen to this old lady, where the older people, they would really still respect me because I was old enough to have the experience so that was his kind of way of saying you're right in the perfect mix you've been sewing since you're five years old you have so much knowledge you know maybe this this is something that you could do so when I started uh, I just basically flipped on my husband's camera and started filming myself oh they were just horrible and uh, my three children and my husband god bless their little souls We're trying to help me so much. You're talking too fast. You're talking too slow. You covered too much in that video. Don't cover this much. Um, You said this wrong. You did this, you know, of course, trying to help me. And, and of course, I'm listening to them because I'm as green as can be. And, you know, when I do something, I do want to do it to the best that I can. And finally, my head was exploding. And I finally said, I love you all. But I'm doing it my way now. Thank you. And, but I really needed that advice at the beginning because it was important for me to know people's opinions and to, uh, further it. So once I kind of just said, I'm good now, the training wheels are off, step aside. And then it was almost a freedom for me that I just, I was just going to create. And if someone didn't like it, well, there's an off button. I just wanted to create as if my friends were sitting on the couch because I sew with a lot of my friends and they'll say to me, how do you do that? And I'll go, oh, it's really easy. You just do this. Or if I see a pattern or friends will have a pattern and they'll bring me a pattern and go, duh, I can't understand a word this is saying. How do you do this? You know, so then I was always teaching anyway. So I just took how I would be talking to my girlfriends And brought it to the videos. And once I did that, it just seemed to flow so much easier. So I still take advice from my loved ones, but with a grain of salt. Yeah. And you
0: have a couch in your studio where you're filming. And you were saying earlier, before we started recording that, like, you kind of pretend that there's people, somebody, you know, sitting on that couch, and you're just talking directly to them.
1: Right. So it reminds me that um, even though if I'm doing a half square triangle, I might do a half square triangle like 300 times. But I make sure at every video I talk about it right as if you have never known about it, because that way you're able to start and finish that project. And that's that person on the couch that's listening to me going, well, I don't know what a half square triangle is. So in my mind, I envision this person there that doesn't know how to do that project. So I want to make sure that I'm very, you know, correct and that I really cover all of those even little things. So I'm very wordy in my videos, but I do want you to be able to finish a project. I want you to be able to come with the knowledge of, oh, hey, well, I never knew that. Well, that cleared up this. And, oh, that looks like it's a fun project. I want to simplify it. You know, it's always easier when you have your girlfriend beside you going, hey, just do it this way. So that's kind of my, that's my thought process.
2: I'd like to take a minute to talk with our sponsor, Twice Sheared Sheep. Hi, I'm Don Prickett. I'm the owner and creative director at TwiceShearedSheep.com. We are a knitting tools um, company, and I always like to say that we have intelligently designed tools so that you can knit more and frog less. Um, It is absolutely my goal to design tools and gadgets and things for your knitting bag that help you save brain power so that you can get more joy out of your knitting, that you get more knitting time out of your knitting time. So tell me if this sounds kind of familiar, that you're working on a new project and you've been knitting along, you're chatting with your friends or you're watching TV whatever it is you get a little bit distracted and you look down and you realize you know i don't know whether i actually marked that row or not or maybe you you were working on a project and something jumped to the head of your project line either you had a deadline and you need to make sure that you got a gift out to somebody really quick or you found a new pattern pattern that just sang to you and you needed to cast on right now so your current project got put in its bag and set aside for a little while but when you come back to it you're not exactly sure where you were in the pattern. This is where our chain row counters are the best thing ever. Because they live on your needles like a stitch marker, you can't lose them. You can't forget to mark them because you have to pass it from needle to needle as you go. You don't have to take your hands off your needles in order to tally or wake up your phone or anything like that. It just becomes a part of your normal knitting rhythm. So you can get in the zone and actually really enjoy your knitting time. And then when you step away and come back, you always know exactly where you are. If you'd like to give us a try, you can use the coupon code craft industry. Thanks on our website, twice sheared And that'll give you 20% off your first order.
0: Thank you so much. Twice sheared sheep. And now back to my conversation with Laura. And do you have a format that you've kind of settled on that works either a way of introducing things or a length of the video or a certain type of project Just that kind of like helps to guide you as you're creating that you've settled on over years of experience
1: of creating all of these videos that really seems to work best. Uh, The My introduction and my exits are about the same. Uh, They don't change too much. Matter of fact, even when I'm rehearsing in my head, I have to do that full introduction or I can't rehearse in my head because it doesn't make sense. After almost a thousand videos, I can't just jump in. I have to do my introduction. And then, you know, even in the rehearsal of my head, what I'm going to say, how I'm going to introduce it. But for the body of the project, I really don't try to follow a format. I really am just sewing that project how I would be sewing that project. Um, And I don't worry about the length. Um, I have a YouTube representative and he's like, you need to cut those videos down to seven minutes. And I'm like, no, no. I said, I won't. I said, that's not what my videos are about. Well, you can make more money. I said, it's not about money for me. It's not about the views. It's I want whoever is watching that video to be able to start it and finish that project. I want them to be able to pause it whenever they need and go back to it. You know, how many times have we taken courses and classes and we're not able to come home and finish that project? Well, with my videos, you can. So I want to make sure that they're all, all of that detail is in there. So the videos can be long. They can be up to 15 minutes. I try to, in my mind, I try to get them shorter. It never happens because I am a little wordy. But that's my goal is I want you to, I want you to have that comfort level of being able to finish that. And if it's a project you've never done before, you can go into the quilt store and say, hey, I want this, this, and this. You almost look like you know what you're talking about. But it's giving you it's giving you the knowledge you need to be able to go and create those things. And they don't have to be perfect. You know, perfection, uh, it, well, I don't even think, I'm never perfect. I don't plan to be on perfect. I want to just have fun doing it. And I think that's what the word hobby is all about. And I say that so many times. What this is, is a hobby. And just have fun with it. Our perfection will come at a later day. Just have fun with it. And the more fun that you have, the easier and the quicker you will get at these things because you're not putting pressure on yourself.
0: Yeah, you have almost like a Mr. Rogers type of reassurance. That you that comes from you when your videos, where you feel like when you're watching it, in the same way that Mister Rogers would just sort of encourage you to explore and be curious and be confident in yourself. You have a lot of those same sort of um, ways of
1: talking to the viewer. Thanks. Yeah, I, it's funny because when people meet me, they're like, "Wow, you're very energetic," and yet my videos are so calm. Calm. I hear I see in the comments, right, often people are like,
0: you're so calm. And it's just this calming, encouraging voice and uh, permission to make mistakes, permission to enjoy yourself. um, and, And as you said, just pursue a hobby that makes you feel good.
1: Exactly. It's all about it's all about how we feel. A hobby is, you know, it's something I look at it and I think if you're painting a picture, If you're an artist and you're using paint as a medium and you just literally throw paint on the canvas, no one's going to turn around and say, "Uh, seriously, you didn't color in the lines. People would go, oh, bravo. That's wonderful. It's so creative. But for quilting, you know, we have these imaginary quilt police that, you know, kind of put these rules on us. And I go, yeah, no, throw the paint, enjoy the process and learn what your creativity is. And it might be traditional quilting. If not, then it's going to be something else. And by just throwing that paint on the canvas, you can become the next creator, the next great thing. And, and then I think that's more important than, you know, staying in the lines. I never yeah. the lines as the child. So I guess that's why my mentality is that way. Just, just do it. Right, absolutely, but you have all the
0: skills to be able to yeah. underlying skills to be able to teach it at the same time. So yeah. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about your relationship with YouTube, the company. So you mentioned earlier that you have a YouTube representative, and we said in the introduction that YouTube has given you an award in the past. So what what is your relationship like with YouTube? What kind of support have they given you and feedback and things like that over the time that you've been on the platform?
1: Well, when you hit a certain number then they assign a representative to you so that you can have that representative to talk to. So if you need help navigating the YouTube system, or if there's new platforms that come out all the time, then they're able to guide you and help you do that. They also have many events that you can go to so that you can meet with other YouTubers and learn from each other, just like we have a convention, H and H. There are those YouTube events. Um, there's not very many of them, um, just because they're they're very far spread around. So that kind of um, connection that I have with them, I can reach out to them. That's we don't often. I I it's been quite a few years since I've actually talked to them, but they're there, so I can reach out to them. And that's kind of nice to know that if I need help with a new way that they've come up with something new, like shorts and stuff, something like that, then I can actually learn about it. And they actually will have videos that they can send to me so that I can educate myself on how to do those platforms so that I can do them. So that's, that's a lot of fun. And a funny story that I, I think you would enjoy and people would love hearing this is, So, I mean, we we were talking like about five years ago, a representative I had met with them and it was one of my first ones. And so we were talking about the videos and I asked him, should I change my thumbnails? I have me in my thumbnails holding this project, but I see everybody just showing the project. Should I change my thumbnail format to just the finished project? So right away, he said, I would probably think so, but just a moment. Let me check and see your stats. So, of course, he can go behind where I can't go. And he comes off and he says, oh, no, 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 no. He said, you need to be in every thumbnail. He said, people are now recognizing you, not so much your project. He said, it's probably that white hair. He said, you'll never be able to cut your hair and you'll never be able to color it. So you, he said, you have actually created your own brand of you. He said, which now you can't change your brand. He said, because people know you, not by what you're creating or by your name, but by who you are. So I can't ever color my hair and I can't cut it. So- yeah, I would love to talk about your hair because you do have a signature
0: hairstyle. You just for people who've never seen what you look like, who are listening, you have long white hair. It's very white. Um, and I would agree with your YouTube representative that, I mean, that's how I came to know who you were is just you have a very recognizable look. Um, right. that stands out I don't know how long has your hair been white did you go white early were you blonde before
1: or tell us a little bit about your hairstyle oh my goodness um I was born blonde and then darkened up I was never dark I was always just a dark blonde or medium blonde but I started going gray very very young so by the time I was 18 I already was coloring my hair by the time I was 30 I had more gray than any other color. So I did try to go gray, just let my hair go once. um, And I cut it very short and I had it really fun, but it just didn't seem to suit me. So I started coloring it again and that didn't suit me either. So finally, one year, it's been over 10 years now, it's been 11 years. I just one day said, nope, I'm done. It was so hard to color because my hair's so white, so premature gray. I would have to sit on with color on my hair for over an hour, and it also grows very fast. So within a week I'd have I'd look like a skunk. So I just decided I would rather have this salt and pepper hair whatever it was versus having the skunk for 4 out of my 5 weeks. And I really didn't know it was going to turn out this way, but what I did know is I was tired of always having to have those chemicals on my hair. And my hair was, no matter how much you condition your hair, it just doesn't ever feel nice. And I said, I'm done. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Newsflash to family members, I am done. And we were sitting at the table and I said to them, and all of you, so I'm talking to all of them, even my husband, are going to love my hair. And you are going to tell me often how fabulous I look because I do own a mirror, and I know how I look, but I don't need to hear it from you. I will hear from you often how darling and fabulous you look. So of course, they were all like, so you want us to lie to you? I said, yes. So till still to this day, I'm not sure if they're lying to me or not. But they always, mom, your hair looks fabulous. So it took me time to train them. And then So I let my hair go for about two years and uh, it was about 18 months and I just kept it really curly and messy and just so that you would not see that growth. I went to my hairdressers and I said, cut off the gray, cut off all the color. So I came out with like a little bob and I was like, wow, I don't have, I don't have gray hair. I don't have salt and pepper hair. I have white hair. And she's like, Your hair is white. Even the hairdresser turned around and went, Oh my God, your hair's white, white, white. And I went, I can't believe it's so white. And still to this day, he said, If you come in and say, Do you want me to color your hair? He says, I won't color it
0: it's a great color. I love the way it looks. And as we said earlier, it's, it works for building a brand that's, you know, visually um, based. So um, I'd love to talk a little bit about some of the opportunities that have come your way, seemingly Mm -hmm. as a result of YouTube. So um, you mentioned, I mentioned in the intro that you've um, written for some magazines and you have um, some books with CNT publishing um, and, and notions and things like that. So maybe you can talk a little bit about you know, the interaction between YouTube and building this fan base and this experience and proving your skill on, you know, on camera, and how these other opportunities outside of that came to be.
1: It's kind of funny, because where I'm sitting, I'm not considered a quilter. But I'm not considered a sewist either. I kind of in a mix. I'm Heinz 57. I kind of do it all. So you know, in the quilting industry people would say no she's not a quilter and in the garment industry they'd say well no she's not a seamstress so it was kind of this mix match of things but my viewers are my biggest fans and they're um they're just so loyal and their comments um just really just kept and still to this day encourage me to do what i'm doing if i didn't have it i if there was no comments i don't think i could do what i do because to me, that's really builds. It's, it's those little thank yous that really mean a lot to me. So when I started doing this, I had a lot of people say to me, oh, you should write a book. Oh, you should write a book. So c Publishing, they said, what about doing a book? And I was like, well, I don't know. All my videos are online. But when you <laughs> go through all of the comments, all of the comments were do you have a pattern for this? Do you have a pattern for this? So they still want the um, the actual verbal and the video on how to, but they like to have the book beside them. So you know, so CNT publishing they really took a big gamble in saying, yes, let's produce these videos into books. And it, it, was a, it was a great seller. I think it was actually a, considered one of their best sellers in that time. So, so many people did want it. So, we are still in a book year. We are still in that generation where people want to feel the books and follow along. So, then I wrote the second one was all on projects. And I have a third one coming out and it's about a clamshell. How to do a very easy clamshell, a quilt as you go clamshell. I'm really excited about that. So,
0: yeah, I hear you that I I could see people having a fear like I don't want to give it all away. You know, in other words, if I go on YouTube and I show you step by step how to make 12 projects well that's it then i can't ever take those 12 projects and make them into a book i've given it all away why would anybody buy
1: it but what you're saying is the opposite is true exactly and i agree with you i thought the same thing i thought i've already given a, i've already given it all out i mean everything Do you know i didn't hold back and have you try to figure it out it's a complete video start to finish so it was kind of, I think it was a bit of a gamble. Are people going to want both? But it did prove that they do still want both. Well, not everyone wants to watch videos. And a lot of people still want that book to be opened up in front of them. And sometimes they'll have the book and the video running at the same time. So I think, and you know what, and really, if we think about it, you can never get too much knowledge. And I think that's what they feel is they're getting so much information that they're bound to get that project done. I also think
0: they're walking through the bookstore or the local quilt store and they see your face right? and they're like, oh, it's Laura. I know Laura. Yeah. And so there's a piece of it as well that it's like, it's not just a sort of book that doesn't have a personality attached to it. It's the opposite. It's a book that is created by somebody that a, a viewer at home has come to know over years because you produce, I think, two videos a week and have, you know, nearly a thousand videos. So for people who have watched one, two, twenty, hundred, two hundred 200 of these videos, when they see that, you know, and they, and, and CNT
1: was smart to put your face on the cover, they see you there and they're like, there she is. Yes, it's funny because YouTube sort of has this feeling that when you watch YouTube and you watch the same person, you become their friend. I might not know you, but you feel like you know me because it's different than a movie star. We're more, um, you know, it's 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 different. You know, we're in our we're in our homes. We're talking to you like people. We're not on a movie stage. We're not producing a movie. We're producing something, we're producing these little, little movies, these little things that are us. So, you as the viewer really get to know us, our personalities. Some people can tell when I'm not feeling well, even if I don't say anything. In one video, I had a scratchy throat, and a few people in the video, and I never mentioned it on the video, and a few people said, Oh, I hope you're feeling better. You know, so they they get to know this. And then when they see me, it's so funny because a lot of people will come to me and go, oh, hi, Laura. Oh, you got to see what I made the other day. And they'll be talking a mile a minute. And I'm in my mind, I'm going, oh my goodness, do I know them? I can't remember them. I should know this face. I never forget a face. Come on, Laura, think, 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 think. Who are they? Who are they? And in the meanwhile, it's, I haven't met them. But they have met me so many times. We're friends. So, and I actually feel that after I've met them within seconds, I feel like they are my friends. So it's a different relationship on YouTube than it is if you meet a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. I'm no different than you. I just teach on YouTube and I'm brave enough to throw on that camera so that you can see my poor makeup and my bad clothing choice and my hangnails and whatever is going on, you know, so... I'm a real person. And I I think that shows in YouTube.
0: And you get a lot of comments. You respond to a lot of comments. You spend time talking back to the audience, thanking them for their comment, answering their questions. I'm sure, though, there are the, you know, every now and then negative comment. YouTube can also the YouTube comment space can be a very harsh place. Um, I don't know if it is for you, but if you've experienced this, but you have to have over this number of videos where people, for whatever reason, feel free to just say really mean, awful things time to time in the comments.
1: Yeah, I'm really lucky. I don't get a lot of them when I do um, my friends, the people that watch usually will kind of sort of like bees they kind of attack them and they come to my defense which um is something i never expected and you know they'll give comments and they'll just say well i don't see you putting out a free video and these types of things so i my followers are um they're wonderful they really are friends because they have that attachment but it, they don't really affect me. They did at the beginning, of course. But they don't affect me anymore when people say things. Um, they have their opinion, and we're allowed to have an opinion. And I just sort of, sometimes the opinion I will think of and say, oh, I didn't see that maybe I came across that way. Or maybe I I was thinking it was coming in one way, but someone obviously saw it in another way. So sometimes even those negative comments can be good comments to me. Um, the, um, The hardest ones are when someone is correcting me on my language. Those are ones that I really have to bypass. Because like I said, I did lose my hearing in grade three. So there are some things that I don't have the same hearing ability as someone else. I don't hear syllables. So a lot of words I can't produce or can't pronounce because I can't hear them the way you would hear them. Um, So when I say certain words, they might not be correct. They could be close to and sometimes they will correct them for me. And and I and I don't really mind because then I'm saying to my husband, okay, am I saying that wrong? Listen to me. Am I saying this wrong? And he will laugh and he'll say, yeah, but that's just the way you say it. For example, the word, okay, and I will have you say it. The thing that you put juice in and you pour it out is a pitcher. The thing that a, a photo sits in that square thing is a picture frame picture frame yeah picture and picture uh-huh. I, can't, I can't hear the difference got it so it's this little little thing yes so I remember the one video I guess I was saying picture all the time uh-huh. the wrong picture Uh huh. and you know only one person said something and afterwards so I went to my husband I said am I saying this wrong and he goes right. oh yeah you've been saying it wrong <laughs> time. and I'm like well why didn't you correct me he said well I can't say it anyway so you know why right so that's those are the ones that I kind of go oh am I saying that wrong am I it right. wrong but you know they don't know that I had that disability correct it, it doesn't bother me right you know, I, I just look at those negative comments and I turn them into a positive thing yeah
0: That's that's smart. And do you watch YouTube? Are you somebody who do you have lots of videos, you know, or creators that you subscribe to? Do you watch other quilting
1: or sewing YouTubers or do you just stay away? Okay. And that's the thing that most people are very surprised with is I do not watch any other YouTube videos. I do not follow any creators. I do not read anybody's blogs or blogs or whatever they're doing. Um, And I mean, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of beautiful, talented people out there that I love, and I absolutely enjoy seeing their work. But I don't want to follow them. I don't want to watch their videos because I don't want to be subconsciously pick up something of theirs and pull it into mine. Uh, I would just absolutely be horrified if you know, somewhere subconsciously, I saw a video and said, Oh, I've created this thing. And meanwhile, I didn't create it. I saw it five years ago. Um, I mean, as creators, we're, it's kind of hard for us not to, we all get influenced with quilts and other artwork. Um, but for me, I'm very, I'm very careful that I'm not trying to take other people's creativity. So I don't watch them. And so, a lot of people will say to me, "Oh, you should watch so and so." And oh, did you see what so and so did the other day? And truth is, no. So I love to watch. I love to see their work. I love to go to quilt shows and get inspired by the work. But the videos and the content, no, I do not.
0: And have you thought about? Um, I don't know whether you've created. We we were speaking earlier about YouTube Shorts. Um, I don't know if you've done those, but have you thought about TikTok and how do you feel about sort of that short form sort of thing?
1: Do you know what? I think it's great. Um, I personally don't do anything but YouTube and I do Facebook, Instagram, and I have my newsletter, but I don't do any of those shorts. They're not my style and I'm okay with that. Um, And I find sometimes in the shorts, they're not able to cover enough information And at first, when these things, these short little, however, whatever platform you wanted, they started coming out, I thought, oh, this is a great way. And then I would have people comment, and they'll send me a link to a short and say, I really want to make this, but it was too quick. I couldn't follow it. Could you do a video on it? Mm. And then I'm like, no, I can't. That's not my project. You know, thank you. But I had a lot of people do that. And right off at the very beginning. So that really made me decide that that's not my thing. I'm Gabby. I'm just going to keep it in the videos and, and, and do the format that I love to do. So yeah. And it's very clear in talking to you that you have a
0: vision for what this channel is, for what it is that you do. And, you know, as you, as new things come around, you're able to assess them and either accept them or reject them or, or do them in your own way, according to the, the sort of plan or vision that you have for what it is that you're making. And I think that that's so helpful because then you're, you know, there's always new things and, and you're able to look at them and make your own decision with
1: confidence. Right. In my, I like to keep the videos as detailed as I can. Because I remember when I was a young mom with three kids, I couldn't afford to go to a quilt shop and take a class, you know, and, you know, with my videos, you can be a stay at home mom that's really busy. You can watch it at midnight if you want, you can get that, that class that you need that experience that interaction that we love as creative people, we need that interaction together to create together. And to me, I think that's really the most important thing is that you can you can have that and not have to leave your home. And a lot of people can't leave their home. It's difficult for them for physical or mental reasons. And you know, sometimes I have a I actually have a very large male following. And I have a lot of my men say to me afterwards, I made my first quilt because of you, and I was able to walk into a quilt shop with confidence because you gave me the knowledge to go in to talk about what I wanted to do. So it was a gateway for them, and and that's important. You know, like if you're this big, experienced person, you don't need my videos. My videos are not there for that. My videos are just for us to have fun with. Let's be creative and do something fun together. So that's sort of my, that's my whole mental thought about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's really, that clarity is so important and inspiring too, because um, when you get there and have that clarity, you can hang on to it and then it helps to guide you and, and helps you make decisions, which is really important right. in a business. So, and, and just speaking of the business piece, before we get to your recommendations, I would love to hear a little bit about income streams because- um, you know, you, you've written articles, you have the books, book number three, congratulations is going to be coming out. So you're getting royalties from books, I'm assuming. Um, but, but it's, and, and your videos have ads, there's an ad and most of them beforehand and things like that. So is this a job? Like, is this a business? Is it, are you, is it sustaining itself financially? What are the other, am I missing any income streams that
1: I haven't mentioned here? Well, YouTube would be my main body. Um, so, and YouTube sort of a funny way it works. These, vi- these commercials that are on my video are the ones how I get paid, just like commercials on TV, the, that company pays YouTube, in turn, YouTube pays me via how many people watched that video, how many people interacted with that video, how many people clicked on that video, did you leave my video to that site? Also. What are the demographics of my videos? So if you own a company, you're going to say to YouTube, oh, hey, I want to be in a video and a demographics on this, you know, so I might not get fishing lures, right, but I might get cars and I might get clothing and luggage and stuff, other things that, uh, you know, financial things that are advertised. And I don't know what's advertised, that, That's that's not up to me. I, I have no say in that. The only thing that I really can dictate is how long that video should be. Can you skip that video? And do I want a video in the middle of my videos? So um, I have to have them at the beginning. And I make them so that you can skip them as quick as you want. Now, if I have them so that you can't skip them, I get paid more. Once again, that's not my goal. So I want this as a pleasant experience for you. So if you really don't want to see, you know, whatever it is, you don't want to see banking advice, then within three or four seconds, you can skip that. I also will not have an ad in the middle of my videos because I absolutely hate that. And we're in the middle of... And then we're back to a car commercial. No, no, no. I can't do it. I can't do it myself. I don't expect my viewers to do it. But if I had that in there, then of course that would gain me more revenue. So um, I just say to my friends, don't skip the ads. <laughs> make sure you watch the ads. Have me play and run. Make your coffee come back. Um, you know, just because it kind of um, it just makes um, a company. It makes me more desirable for a company to advertise on my site. But again, it's, it's just not my goal. So I don't really worry about that bottom line. Um, and because I don't have those large commercials and all of those things, I'm not the highest person paid on YouTube. I'm okay with that. So I did not do this as a money maker. That's not what my goal was. And I'm not going to lose sight on that. And so you can ask me to put whatever you want, like the YouTube representative say to me, hey, let's put that commercial in the middle. middle." And I'm like, no, 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 not doing it. Thank you. Oh, let's put longer, non-skippable ads. Nope, not going to do it. If I don't want to see it, I don't think you want to see it either. So, So to me, it is making enough money that I would be able to live on it. Am I making tons? No, because I don't do what the others do. And I don't also, in the middle of my video, go, oh, this is sponsored by so-and-so mattress. What does a mattress have to do with sewing? I'm not doing it. It, it, It's, I couldn't do it even if I wanted to. It just would not go in my vocabulary. So because I don't do all of these things that could make me more money, I would not be the biggest on the hit list. And I'm okay with that. So.
0: That's great, great advice um, and great insight into again how you are thinking about and your vision for your channel and how you're using that to make decisions. So I, I love that. Um and I, you know, I also think it it helps to um allow you to keep going because I think if you were to compromise on some of your ideals about what the channel really is, mm-hmm. it wouldn't serve you. And then in the end, you would probably feel burnt out and give up. Yeah. Um, but the the fact that you I mean, this is true endurance. You've been doing this for so long. Um, and so and a lot of I think the reason for that is because it's true to who you are and, and that allows you to to feel good about it and to keep going.
1: Yeah, I love what I do. I, I absolutely love what I do. Every I go to bed at night. Sometimes I can't sleep because I'm too excited about starting something the next day. You know, my husband, if I get a package in the mail, sometimes my husband will hide it until after dinner. Because he says, oh, as soon as I give it to you for dinner, he says, I've lost you. He says, <laughs> we're having dinner together. He goes, but you're really not there. <laughs> he says, you've already started cutting into that fabric or designing with the fabric. He said, so, yeah, so sometimes he'll laugh and go, oh, I forgot to tell you, you got a package in the mail. <laughs> So I want to get to your recommendation. I wanted to get to your recommendations. You
0: have a couple of really good ones. So you live in Canada, which um, I'm assuming means some cold weather during the yeah. winter months, but in the summer months, do you like to take advantage as much as you can and entertain outside?
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's that's what it's all about. I have a nice table outside. My husband and I will eat breakfast, lunch and dinner if we can outside, but it's very close to my kitchen. So I'm not having to walk a mile to get to it. Um, our winters are long and spring and summers are not always the best. So every nice day we do trade to take advantage of that. And I love entertaining outside. So um, uh, my videos are a little bit shorter in the summer, because I do want to enjoy that weather. And I think most people want to be outside and they don't want big, big projects anyway. So I try to keep smaller projects in the summer. Then we'll get those big hard ones in the winter when we are okay being indoors and we don't want to go out and see that weather. So yes, I love entertaining and being outside. And you also love to do
0: cross-stitch.
1: I do, I do. It's a great project to take with. Um, I'll, I have, and it's funny, I keep them in little, um, eyeglass cases. I like to do little projects that are only like four inches big and I can roll them up and actually carry them right in an eyeglass case and pull them out and just stitch on them. They're very easy, simple projects. And, um, I give a lot of them away and they're just little frames and they're fun. And it just is something that I could pick up anywhere doctor's office and, and just travel with them. I did a whole series. I traveled across Europe, and I did them on the bus and the airplane. So if you follow any of my social media, you'll see me in the airport with a cross stitch. You'll see me, you know, on a, on a patio in Italy with my cross stitch. And you know, my husband says, "Can you not leave home without it?" And I'm like, "Well, I could, but why would I?" You know. So yeah, I love cross stitch.
0: And the same thing with um, English paper piecing. And I love English paper piecing
1: for exactly the same reasons, yes, which is exactly. that you can just put it in your bag and take it out wherever you are. Yeah. I find the only problem that I do with um, English paper piecing is I start off with all of these little pieces, but then as you get them built it together, becomes huge. Become bigger, bigger, bigger. And they, you know, like then I'm having to bring two purses with me. Yeah. That's just carrying my EPP and the other one that's, you know, is my person. My one purse is big enough. So, yeah, I just find that the EPP I'll do at home, the cross-stitch I love to travel with.
0: Yeah, yeah, I hear that. That's true. When your EPP project gets too big, it does become a bit unwieldy. So
2: (laughs) I can understand
0: that. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Laura, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. It was so fun talking to you. It was wonderful talking to you.
1: We finally got to talk since we didn't get to see each other. I know. We saw each other
0: only briefly at the show. So this was so nice to sit down. And you've been listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today's episode was sponsored by Twice Sheared Sheep, a knitting tools brand, making intelligently designed tools to save you brain power so that you can knit more and frog less. Never question if you marked that row again with Twice Sheared Sheep's signature chain row counters accurately keep track of every row without clicking tallying or waking up your phone you don't even need to take your hands off the needles use the coupon code craft industry thanks to save 20 percent on your first order at twice sheared thank you so much twice sheared sheep craft industry alliance is a community for craft professionals